Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be delving into a number of UK equities and key themes out there in markets. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast this morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Yes, very well, very well. Uh, looking forward to the, the Christmas break. We've had a particularly busy period uh, going up to Christmas. So, yes, like many market participants out there, I'm sure we're all looking forward to a few days break. Yeah, uh, I certainly am. I can tell you that. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So, um, you know, talking about Christmas, actually, Alan, I know, I know we've... Uh, We've mentioned it previously, and you know people always hear this each year. As we get towards uh, the end of the year, the, the festive and, and seasonal play that we can sometimes see in markets of the, of the Santa's Rally, we had some very interesting uh, research that came through from AJ Bell last week, and looking at the statistics because. You know, when people talk about a Santa's Rally, you might be, be hearing somebody from a, an, an American outlet talking about it and that obviously relates to the S&P 500 and the, and the Dow Jones and then we're talking about certain statistics you don't really hear too much around the, uh, the FTSE 100 but AJ Bell sends over some uh, some numbers that they ran on the Santa's rally and you know that the stats are are pretty compelling you know December tends to be the best performing month of the year on average for the FTSE 100 since its inception back in 1984, I believe. Yeah. And the I think the average gain in December, our average performance is 2%. Um, so that's much higher than, than any other month out there. But it doesn't happen every year, of course. You know, sometimes and, and in many, many Decembers, we actually do see, uh, you know, losses in in uh, in. Uh, the FTSE 100. It very much depends on the backdrop. So, you know, Alan, from what you can see out there, of course, we've seen lots of developments coming from China, and they're looking at rolling back their COVID zero, zero COVID uh, policy. But of course, there's a threat of uh, recession and and worries about what the Fed's going to do next week. Of course, we've got a busy busy week for central banks. So, you know, from your assessment, Alan, looking at what's happening out there. You know, what are the chances that we see uh, you know, one of the positive, more positive Decembers this year? I think we're in for a positive uh, December, John, overall. I think the certainly um, certainly there is a sense that um, the worst of the inflationary, the worst inflation uh, numbers is being, it, well, it, it is peaking. Uh, we, we've also, of course, seen uh, signs that uh, the China lockdown um China lockdown uh, on COVID is lifting slightly, so so that you know that that's um, that that's a positive, and I think uh, I think as well we're heading into the first um, well the first Christmas period festive period really um, without um, without uh, a lockdown, and that's uh, that for the UK is a very important um, a very important issue. Um, I, I mean, one of the factors, of course, is that. Uh, is is that you know w- w- inflation concerns are still rumbling on, um, but um, there in some places across the world, you know, fuel and food food prices are 
starting to fall. So, so there's tangible evidence that uh, that these these uh, these uh, concerns are peaking, and of course the the Ukraine conflict now is a a known uh, unknown in a sense. You know, we know it's it's going to sadly rumble on for some time. Um, the Russian economy is getting weaker. Of course, we've seen the uh, the oil caps uh, imposed as well by the rest of the world, you know, and Russia is just being backed into a corner. Um, uh, and of course, you know, it's that that's a dangerous scenario out there by itself. But I think certainly on the domestic front, um, with retailers uh, obviously hoping for a, a decent Christmas, we've yet to see what the Black Friday numbers look like, although in a sense, Black Friday came and went this year, I, th- I think with uh, very little uh, very little attention paid to it. But, um, you know, certainly for the for uh, some of the stocks in the leisure sector, you know, those running bars and hotels and all the rest of it, we're starting to see some good performances uh, indicate that uh, things are returning to normal. So given, given that backdrop and given that uh, um, at the moment there's no... Uh, sense that any lockdowns will be imposed in the UK. Um, I think we're going to see uh, positive sentiment driving the the FTSE higher over the Christmas period. Um, then, of course, we get to January and we've got that raft of trading statements from the retailers, and that's always a difficult time. But um, let's let's focus on Christmas from now, and I think we're going to see the FTSE, you know, possibly get back up as high as seven six uh, before before the uh, before the end of the month. Yes, indeed. I mean, just looking at the FTSE this morning, it is down slightly. It was up, uh, you know, a good few points earlier. There was a positive outcome from a litigation case for GSK. They were up about 10%. That was really supporting the index. But, you know, looking at it, we're starting to see volatility in the FTSE 100 really fall. Um, You know, it's it's grinding higher. We're seeing pullbacks that are being met with um, some support. So it's... You know, for me, looking at it, looking at a chart of the FTSE 100, it is forming that uptrend. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, it, what's good to see, as I said, is, you know, each time that it, it falls back at the moment, there there's, you know, plenty of buyers coming in to, to pick it up. I mean, I, I think the 7,500 level is quite key. It's a psychological level. Yeah. Um, and then on the upside, as you mentioned there, 7,600. I think the market's conscience of, of, of this, you know, a break above 7,600 really opens up the way to uh, to all-time highs on mm. the FTSE 100, given the composition that we're seeing of the, uh, the the miners and their exposure to China. So it could be could be an interesting December, and I know we're going to be commentating on that as uh, on, on future podcasts as we move into... Uh, the end of the year. But you were, you were talking about the leisure sector there, Alan, and, and that plays quite nicely into the first company that we're going to discuss today, which is Mitchells and Butler, looking now up about 5%. They were up considerably more earlier on in the session, but it's a fairly robust set of figures and, and, and a company, as you mentioned there, Alan, which is bouncing back from the pandemic. Indeed, indeed. And this is, um, you know, there are a raft of operators in the sector and there are, you know, some of these operators are smaller, such as Revolution Bars. They own a series of bars and theme bars and, and they're starting to, they're seeing their, their their fortunes improve as things return to normal. But of course, um, Mitchell, and Butler's, Mitchell and Butler's has a huge portfolio of uh 
of 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 assets um and the this is the company that owns and operates uh, harvester toby carvery all bar one that of course anyone in london will know well miller and carter premium country pubs stonehouse venture gin uh, you know the, the list is endless plus they also own uh, own a, 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 a series of bars and restaurants in Germany as well. So they've got a good, a strong exposure to the sector. Um, and yeah, shares are up this morning on, you know, what's a, what is a very good set of full year results. You know, pre-tax profits of 8 million versus last year's 42 million loss. Um, sales grew 1% uh, compared to full year 19. So, you know, th- this is now growth, um, growth uh, over pre-COVID levels, which is very encouraging. But also the current year, the companies reported a really strong start with light flower sales growth of 6.5% um, uh, versus full year versus last year. You know, that's the 10 weeks since the end of the financial year. But of course, you know, we've got these this uncertainty, economic headwinds, uh, cost inflation still a concern. Although, as I said just now, I think, you know, there are signs now that we're seeing food and fuel prices come down in parts of the world and even here and there in the UK too. So, um, so of course, we're all hoping for uh, that we will see the Santa rally and, uh, and of course, that everyone gets out and, uh, you know, maximises spend out in the outlets. Um, but it's interesting also to note that on the back of the results this morning, other sector majors are up as well. Marston's is up 3.5%. Weatherspoon shares also higher. Whitbread shares up nearly one percent, and Intercontinental Hotels too. So, so of course, they, they these numbers are very important for the sector as a whole, and certainly on the basis of what Mitchell and Butler's have announced so far, yeah, it's it's a good start. On the year, um, you know, we're seeing shares trading at one forty eight p versus the year high of two sixty eight p. That was hit, of course, uh, back at um, back at the start of. Uh, the, uh, 2022 and the lows came recently um the the shares dipped briefly intraday below the below a pound so anyone picking up at those levels um has done pretty well not paying a dividend yet but uh you know i think with uh, that cross section of pubs and the the broad spread of risk offered by the stock i think we're going to see further upside before the year's out so just you know, this is something that you know anybody watching the news last night would would uh, would have seen that of course there's going to be a number of strikes, rail strikes through December, yeah. and uh, you know of course that's going to cause havoc for for travellers, and you know there's concerns that you know, the the leisure industry will will suffer. But you know with, with Mitchell and Mitchell and Butler, uh, you know that they're. they're business sort of model means that they're they're sort of well covered for people that want to sort of stay in their local area as well as travel. I mean, do you think that will provide them some protection compared to, to maybe other? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I, th- I think the great thing is, you know, with, with, uh, you know, the portfolio of uh, Harvester and Toby Carvery pubs, there are a lot of these strategically located outside your town, ta- your town or village. And of course you can drive out, you know, you can probably have, have a glass of wine or a couple of pints, you know, with your meal there. Um, so, so yeah, so, so I think, you know, you might see the likes of all bar one takings fall, but the premium country pubs and the Toby Carveries will probably see an increase because instead of spending the money in the city, the money will be spent out of the city. So, so I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a very well managed package of risk, if you like. And uh, certainly the, the, uh, the, um, 
the the uh, the range of pubs the team have put together, uh, you know, um, I, I I think uh, give that exposure all across the UK. I mean, speaking personally, I'm talking to you from Seaford, um, literally a mile and a half away from my house, at the foot of the hill on an area called the Exeat Valley, where the River Cookmere winds its way out to the sea. There's a pub that used to be called the Golden Galleon, now called the Cookmere Inn, owned by Mitchell and Butlers, and Every time I've been in there, it's absolutely jam packed. It's just the, it's it's the walkers' favourite stop. It's uh, where people there's a big car park you can come park up and you know just look at the river and then have a drink. So so I think strategically, you know, Michelin Butlers have got a very good package. And uh, you know, I, I think there's, I think regardless of rail strikes, um, provided we can, there's no restriction on actually going out to a pub. There are no lockdowns. I think Michelin Butler look to be in a very strong position, certainly for Christmas and and into 2023 as well. Indeed, indeed. So let's move on now, Alan. So we're going to look at a defence company here. It's quite interesting. If you look at the FTSE 100 so far this year, uh, the best performer bar one has actually been BAE Systems. Of course, they're the geopolitical landscape and the tragedy in, in Ukraine has you know bolstered interest in defense stocks so we're not going to look at BAE systems but there's another one in the sector Kemring Alum which you've brought to our attention so you know maybe not performed as well as uh, BAE systems has but it certainly had a a good few months so what's happening there well I was uh, I focused on this I, I spoke with our um, uh, Ken Batch, who is a former fund manager who we speak to every month and he provides a series of ideas and reviews and he's been looking at Kemring and um, uh, it, it's a stock that we're all aware of I think you know it's uh, it's been around in the index for, for a long time but um, uh, certainly the shares are, look they've, they've given a pretty resilient performance uh, you know across the year it pays a dividend of one Point seven percent, so a bit of a yield there too, and shares currently it's just under three pounds, um, twenty just under three pounds. Year high three pounds eighty three, year low of two pounds forty six. So certainly, um, certainly towards the lows of the year, um, which was probably uh, what caught uh, um, Ken Baxter's attention. But um, the the group uh, provided trading update um, back in um, October, said trading was progressing as planned despite the challenging backdrop. But of course, Kemring are very well, um, uh, they're a niche operator. They have two two, uh, key uh, uh, arms to the business. One is sensors and information. And these are, these are, uh, this hazard detection. So uh, these are, these are uh, uh, detectors used in in both chemical warfare, defence, uh, general defence, and of course, cyber warfare, um, and they've got a very good name across the world. They work for over fifty foreign governments around the world, um, and it's it's a very solid and resilient business. Um, the, the the original business that Cameron was best known for were the flares and decoys. This is the sector called countermeasures and energetics. Um, and that uh, sector builds flares and decoys. So, so, so for jet, air, jet uh, fighter aircraft, um, we've seen this, of course, you know, uh, manifestly demonstrated by Russian aircraft across the Ukraine as they fly over and they, 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 they launch a load of decoys, flares to attract the heat-seeking missiles. Um, and this is what Kemring 
are known for. Uh, they have a manufacturing facility in the UK, also in the US and Australia. Um, and, you know, although the defence industry has shrunk across the years, um, Kemmering occupies this sort of niche growth area. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's come up on the radar now and again as a potential um, bid target too. So, of course, given the backdrop, you know, that we're facing at the moment, um, I'm sure Kemmering's products are very much in demand. Um, it's, it's a well-run, uh, you know, conservatively run business, uh, pays a small dividend, and I would say probably there is an opportunity going forward for further upside in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, so just looking at Kemmering um, here, again, the share price, you're talking about the FTSE 100 being in an uptrend previously. Uh, again, this is one that's been in a, been a solid uptrend since the lows uh, after the pandemic. Um, we saw highs back in April around that 360 level. It's not a particularly high beta stock. It doesn't move very quickly. Uh, but, you know, with that dividend there, you know, for, you know, it's a defensive company which has many defensive attributes, um, you know, in terms of the shares, reliable cash flows to some extent. So, yeah, maybe one for people to put on the watch list and, and have a deeper look at. So moving on now, Alan, to the last stock we're going to look at, Sovereign Metals. They presented with us earlier on in the year, but they've had uh, an update in the last few days. So what does that look like, Alan? Yeah, they certainly have, John. Um, so Sovereign sovereign Metals um, have an absolutely amazing uh, resource in Malawi, in Central Africa. And Malawi is uh, it's referred to as the warm heart of Africa. It's a very benign uh, environment, uh, very stable, uh, lots of poverty, of course, but um, uh, in the centre of uh, of Malawi, uh, a certain Dr. Julian Stevens was working for years and discovered uh, rutile in abundance there. And of course, rutile is the uh, is the primary uh, provider of titanium dioxide, which has a raft of applications across optics, aerospace. Um, it's used in dyes, in paints, for instance. So your brilliant white paint that you'll go and buy from B&Q, the brilliant white in that paint is titanium dioxide. Um, and there is, a, there is you know, it, it's generally quite hard to get hold of. Um, there are two key uh, projects in Africa. Um, one, of course, Sierra Rutal in Sierra Leone and another in Kenya. Um, but... Uh, Dr. Stevens uh, worked on the project and uh, a scoping study was undertaken and the potential there is absolutely enormous. It's the, um, it's the biggest rutile project in the world. 1.8 billion tonnes of rutile thought to be there. Uh, well, not thought to be there. It is there under the ground. And drilling work undertaken early this year um, discovered that the, the rutile uh, itself went much further, much deeper than had been initially thought. So that's an estimate of 1.8 billion tonnes. is probably uh, conservative and uh, will be upgraded. And of course, the the, um, the numbers are absolutely huge. I think uh, it's, uh, what it's, it's, it runs into billions of dollars, uh, the, the potential of the mine, the mine life and um, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the growth of the asset. And of course, what it's going to do for the country, it's going to... Com- it's going to create a lot of employment. Um, the the other factor, of course, is getting it to market, um, and it's uh, close to an area called the Nakala Logistics Corridor, which means the Rutile can be 
shipped out across the corridor. There's uh, There are metal roads to take it all the way to the Nakala deep water port on the coast. From that point, of course, it can be shipped on uh, to uh, to uh, 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 worldwide destinations. Um, but also with the project, um, uh, as it's been developing, um, Sovereign uh, discovered, or the team discovered there, um, large amounts of graphite. And of course, there are other companies operating in Africa. Blank Air Resources, for of course, has the has a has a uh, the Oral Cross graphite project, which is which is um, is 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 developing to late stage now into into uh, uh, a defensive feasibility study stage, um, but uh, there are a series of standalone graphite projects within this huge area that covers the Casilla Rutar project owned by Sovereign. Um, there are there's the Nanzake, Malagunde, Dewey, and Mabua graphite projects, and the company's announced today that it's going to spin those projects out into into uh, two distinct companies um and uh, that company uh, or, or, or that holding company ngx is going to pursue an asx listing um uh, and will be issued with a prospectus uh, prospectus will be issued out following the uh, following the, the completion of the demerger so what it will mean is that the the uh, that dr stevens and the team can focus on developing the rutile project which is an enormous logistical uh, challenge in itself mm-hmm. um, and of course then from from that point uh, um, the the balance sheet of sovereign will further be firmed up once ngx comes to market and those graphite assets are realized in their own right and it's often the way when you have a, a company that owns a multitude of projects the the importance and the value of each project tend to get lost in the in the overall message and uh, and by doing this this is something of course that power metal resources have done very successfully by spinning off uh, of course first class metals had a tremendous ipo um early this year we now have gold metal resources uh, which is coming to market very shortly First development resources and others, and and this is a very, it's a very good way for uh, va- the the value of those projects to be realised in the market separately. And of course, what it does, it uh, reinforces the balance sheet of the parent company. So it's a very shrewd move by Sovereign. Um, Sovereign shares currently trading at uh, well, they're of course dual listed in both the ASX under the epicode code SVM and in the UK under SVML. Currently trading at twenty four p. So down from those highs, um, but um, but the company's worth got a valuation of uh, just under a hundred thousand, a uh, hundred million uh, sterling, um, which really, considering the size of the project and the valuation of the companies running the other retail projects, is derisory. So I, I expect a significant re-rating once this uh, delist and demerger goes through, and of course, as we as the uh, retail project uh, at Casilla develops further and um and moves up the scale so just uh this is a final point on sovereign their whereabouts are they with the the assessment and valuation of the titanium rutile assets what what's the sort of next event on the horizon for them well the next event there so 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 they've got, uh, undergone pre-feasibility study there um and uh and, and as it goes forward the the uh, the, uh, the it, w- it will then be- get to a DFS stage, and of course that's defensive feasibility study. But the the challenge, of course, that uh, um, is faced by a company with a project of this scale is where do you start? You've got uh, you've got all of these um, you've got all 
<coughs> all of these uh, uh, possible places that you, you could commence the drilling. So they have to select the initial drill sites um, uh, and then, of course, take it from there. But already they've signed rutile offtakes with... Um, with uh, with with several companies, Kemers, the 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 the, uh, the French uh, the French chemical giant has signed uh, signed a, a takeoff agreement. Hascor, who they provide welding products all over the world, they they've signed um, they've signed a, 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 a memorandum of understanding too. So uh, you know this this is huge huge from the company. So um, so it, it's um, yeah the the, uh, the PFS is underway. Once that's completed. Then of course um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the company will, will appoint an independent uh, um, um, an independent contractor to uh, to undertake the definitive feasibility study, which will be the practical steps that need to be taken in terms of building the mine, building the beneficiation plant to process the uh, to process the ore, uh, getting it to market, all the rest of it. So so obviously there's a capex involved in that. But compared to the the value they're going to get out of the ground, it's um it's a hugely exciting uh, project. Indeed, indeed, and certainly a story to to follow. So, just as a recap of the companies we discussed today, first up was Mitchells and Butlers with a ticker of MAB. It was then Chemring, which has a ticker of CHG, and we just finished off with Sovereign Metals SVML. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a note to listeners, if you're listening to this on Wednesday the 7th of December, uh, we have the virtual investor conference this evening featuring Power Metal Resources and Tech Capital. So if you're listening to this on the 7th and you want to view and be involved in that event, do check out the event section on the UK Investor Magazine website where you'll be able to get yourself registered. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk. 